It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large, and and we have some new awards to talk about. We've got to that point in the season with the Gotham nominees, which obviously tell us exactly what's going to win at the Oscars, right? Well, the point of this group, of which you are a member, along with, it seems, everybody in the New York office at uh, <laughs> IndieWire, um, basically you guys help to figure out the nominees in different categories, and then there's a group of, of filmmakers and others who figure Actors. out what the winners are. Right. And, right. And then there's an audience award that's voted on. Um online but um yeah this is not about what this is is honoring worthy independent films some of which have not been very well uh seen and uh there are very few films on this list that are actually going to be in the oscar race although there are a few it's i have to say well so I've, i've done this for a number of years it's it's a very gratifying process when you see a lot of movies at festivals for months at a time to get into a room with a couple of critics, not all of whom see eye to eye on everything and talk through some of these possibilities because after 90 minutes, two hours, something like that, you come up with a list that hopefully you can stand behind. And I really do feel like the best feature, which was the committee that I was on this year, if you watch these movies, you're going to see an excellent sampling of American cinema, American independent cinema from the past year. Yeah, what I liked about it, yeah, no, I, I was impressed. What I liked about it too is that there are several films on here that I still have to see and now i i looked each one of them up just to see exactly what they were and how well they were reviewed and how well they did at the box office and stuff and they are um not going to be in the oscar race but they could be in the independent spirit awards race and they could be movies that all of us should catch up with like well, andrew brujowski's support the girls or michelle pfeiffer's where is kyra um, or okay. uh, the uh, Madeline's Madeline, which Great I know movie. people raved about. Yeah, yeah. No, Madeline's Madeline is is really a terrific achievement, and also Josephine Decker is a filmmaker who has not been sort of appreciated in sort of her breakout stage when she made a couple of very small, very low budget films. And this is it's not you know it's not a film that could have been seen as sort of a you know the new director's new films kind of class because she's actually been through that phase already. So I think it, it is at a point where she should be recognized as a major filmmaker and to see her in a category alongside first reform, the favorite Beale street and the writer. I mean, I really feel like all of these filmmakers are operating at the peak of their powers. And although I know that some of these films are not 
really going to be serious Oscar contenders? Well, partly because nobody's seen them. I mean, something like Madeline's Madeline literally did 185,000 at the box right. office via People can a now oscilloscope. Look it up. Yeah, it was know. a very small release. On but, the other hand, the the you know Thoroughbreds did some business, and and uh, you know um, maybe support the girls is something that the it's a comedy that people really it's like. Got, uh, it's got Regina Hall, and she's amazing at it. Yeah. The, never better, I think. But you also have the, the favorite, and you have uh, uh, if Beale Street could talk, which are awards. Totally. And Black Klansmen, and I would love to see this kind of attention for Leave No Trace, encourage people to watch the film. I know what a long shot it is. I know how people see it, but it's really good. It's one of the best movies of the year, and I, I would like to think that people would get over their, their prejudices and, and actually look at it. But you also have to acknowledge the film that really came out ahead that a lot of headlines were playing up here, and that's First Reformed, got best feature, got best screenplay. And, um, and it has a action. shot, especially if the critics come through at the yeah, end of the and, year. And, and critics, I mean, when I talk to so many people, really, really do feel strongly about this movie. More so than a lot of fall movies that have screened. Well, we've talked about this before. Schrader's overdue for a screenplay nomination. Um, I was sorry to see Nicole Holof Center's script for Can You Ever Forgive Me not making it onto that uh, list, which includes The Favorite and a movie that I didn't think was that well written, Thoroughbreds. Um, not really. And First Reformed, I agree with. Private Life is extraordinary. And again, I have to see Support the Girls. But... Um, you know, that would have been a good one to, to get in there. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, part of the challenge is that there's a limited number of slots. So with something like that, it's like you never, there are a lot of different factors at play. I think the screenplay for Can You Ever Forgive Me is great. I think the, the film is, is one of the better pieces of American filmmaking I've seen made on that level this Which year. Which opens this weekend. And so yeah. we, we encourage everybody. I mean, it's be it's such a surprise. It's Well, there's a good story behind it in the sense that Hall of Center did write this with the intention of directing it. And unfortunately, the project fell apart um, with Julianne Moore departing six days. She, everything was ready to go. Everything was set up. You know what, Julia Moore. She was Moore so heartbroken, she just gave it up. She couldn't see doing it over again. But I feel like Julianne Moore can't get all the great roles, you know? Like, it's it really worked out for the best for it Melissa did. McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. She's so good. And, and I've been really enjoying her promotional tour. Me I was too. looking at her on The Daily Show. And she talks about all these auditions she went on where it was like, she has this imitation of being the wife on sitcoms where she'd, she'd just be saying, Bill or Ted or Steve, like all these different guy names, like those were the roles she was auditioning for. Now she's got this role that's complete. It's not, it's, it, you know, the character is complicated, but also not subservient to some, you know, male person. And, and I feel like it's sort of the apotheosis of maybe what she's been trying to get to for a really long period of time. Also, it's, it's nice to see the crossover, you know, like there are a lot of different people who, who like this movie to see Richard Brody like it, but also some of the more kind of populist critics. It's, it's a nice balance in that respect. Well, it's utterly authentic in the sense that it's it's create, it's create recreating this person who really existed, who wrote an entire memoir about this experience. So um, it, it, it they got her, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. I wasn't on the Best Actress um, uh, panel, so so I don't know what the conversations were about. Yeah, where, where is Melissa but McCarthy? I do think it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like all it takes is maybe one person who 
wasn't crazy enough about the movie or something like that, or they really wanted to get Regina Hall in there, which I think is awesome. Catherine Hahn's really good in private life. I have to tell you, I have yet to watch The Wife. You're going to never really watch it. I, can I promise you, before I vote for New York Film Critics Circle, you must. No, I will. I have the screener. It's it's in the works. <laughs> and then, and then uh, yeah, it, this this what you have here, though, is because there, you don't have supporting actor and actress. You, you, you jam everybody into the same. So the, so the men are Adam Driver, Ben Foster, who's very good in Leave No Trace, Richard E. Grant, who's a real supporting a character for that, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Ethan Hawke, and then Lakeith Stanfield for Sorry to Bother You. All terrific, of course. Um, yeah, although I thought it was interesting that they went for another community I wasn't on for Adam Driver and not John David Washington, who, I mean, the second time I saw that movie, I, I remember thinking like, Wow, there's so much about this performance I didn't notice the first time around. That is, it's, it's a breakout, but it's Agreed. also a great lead Agreed. role. And Adam Driver's good, but he's not the essence of the movie to me. I don't know. No, no. A bit a little strange, that one. And then the breakthrough know. actor category makes perfect sense with Thompson Harcourt for yeah. Leave No Trace and Helena Howard for Madeline's Madeline and Kiki Lane for If Beale Street Could Talk and Elsie Fisher for Eighth Grade and the great Yalitza Aparicio for Roma, who I believe of this list is the one who might get nominated. Yeah, Best I mean, actress. the thing about, about her, it's sort of like, you know, Roma's going for so many different categories and, and is, they're really pushing for it to be this major front runner. But it seems like Aparicio is the one who's the easy slam dunk, which is sort of crazy when you think about it, considering that, you know, just a couple of months ago, nobody knew had heard of her before, and they still really haven't. Although it's I, I've not noticed, like she's necessarily going to be one of the great actresses to go on to in an career. Tell. It's, it's how she could, it, but she's perfectly cast for this, and Quaron gets an amazing performance out of her, and in many ways because he manipulates her in, I, in certain situations, which we won't go into right now. But yeah. it, it's true that there's an enormous amount of emotion attached to several of her sequences that people will never forget. I'm curious about how Roma will continue to be a talking point because in this award season, you have this popular favorite, which is A Star is Born, and it's, it's a pretty easy movie to talk about. Roma is a movie that people come out of reeling, but they also, they have, they don't totally know what to make of it at first. A lot of people have, have a lot of people I know love it, but they have different kinds of takes on it. And then some people aren't sure if they love it or if it's like, is it too much of Quaron's perspective on this woman we don't really get to know. And to me, those conversations are indicative of a great movie that has this kind of yes, impact. Yes, I agree. But it's something people can debate and discuss and, and they can talk about the filmmaking techniques and, and all the different things that go into it. I think it's comparable to The Shape of Water or, uh, God forbid, Birdman, in, in the sense that this is one of those movies that combines an extraordinary accessibility with the uh, groundbreaking artistry that you would expect um, of a Best Picture winner. That's one of the reasons I think it could go all the way. But, you know, I was thinking about this announcement this past week from Netflix and their and their, their quarter earnings. They said that 80 million people or something ridiculous like that had watched rom-coms over the summer on Netflix. And and uh, to all the boys I've loved before was the most rewatched film in history. You I know? watched that and I hated okay. it. <laughs> okay, whatever. I mean, it's I like... I bailed on it. I didn't see the whole thing. You didn't finish it. I... I, I Slept through parts. Of I it. heard enough about it so that I checked it out. 
it's couch viewing and it's cash it's designed for a very passive viewership and then i'm thinking like this or is young passive. if you like well young too of course that's one of the reasons why it does but the thing is so this is a platform that's going to launch roma all over the world is any aspect of that viewership willing to commit itself to a movie like this i hope i hope so i want it to but i think it's a real open question and well, whether it's nice or not to netflix think that will. it would play in all the latin america countries for example well, I don't know. I mean, look, half my family's Colombian, but that doesn't mean they necessarily want to watch, you know, a, a sad story about the about somebody who resembles someone in their house when they were growing up. I mean, I, I think it's a real that's a real open question about who the the audience for romance is. I think it has a more. Us. I think it has a more um, um, universal uh, resonance than that. Um, I mean, I don't. I didn't grow up in 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 the seventies in Mexico City. But there right. was stuff going on in this movie that I could relate to pretty powerfully. Um, that that I I totally was was immersed in it, um, and I think most people that I've talked to saw it, who did not grow up in seventy well, Mexico City, um, you know, or maybe didn't even have a nanny, or maybe didn't have a, a cleaning lady that they were close to, or anything like that. I'm using very politically incorrect language. Um, uh, they they really like it too. So uh, I don't know why that would be an impediment. It's an art film, though. That may well, be I, what you're talking about. I think the movie is very effective at creating a world, and you get immersed in that world. So by so the emotion catches you off guard. A lot That's of people right. they weren't prepared for. It. So the challenge with that is you have to subject yourself to that experience and go through. You know, it's like an hour into the movie before you really get a sense of where you're heading. And even then, there's still a lot that happens. So you have to commit to that experience. So the Netflix data that we may never see, but would be very instructive. People turning be, it off. Or yeah, who turned it off but or I, skipped it. Yeah. All right. as far, but as far as... as um, yeah. The other question that there are several things that came up this week also. One was what what is the real release plan going to be? Uh, again, there's debate about whether I the information I have is that the movie's going to be playing long ended runs that they're not one week runs and and that Net Landmark and and uh, IFC and and uh, Alamo are, are planning to to play it for for as long as it as they want to um, as long as it's playing as long as it's working and then. Uh, that there are going to be other bookings at Dolby Atmos theaters that could be uh, quote unquote four wall, uh, you know, bookings. But but I don't know. Um, so that's a weird thing that that this would only be for one week, day and date. I don't think that's true. I really don't. And I think that will help the movie if it's not true. If it plays longer, the more they can build up buzz and word of mouth, the better it will help. The movie, and I also have. There's still this ongoing discussion about whether Netflix is, in some level, uh, something that mem Academy members resist or or, or push against um, mm. and resent. And I, I don't see that as an overall no. thing. But you can't no. take the entire membership of the Academy and say that it's true for x number of them you can't it's just huge so you don't know where it falls i'm sure there, there's reason to be paranoid to some degree within netflix about perception and how that that can hurt a movie but it does it doesn't seem like if the movie's good enough and, and people are watching and having the kind of experience that that they think the movie delivers then they should have nothing to worry about in that respect so in in other news we also have a much bigger 
uh, immediate story in that uh, there's this wide release of Halloween coming out, projected to make $100 million, something like that. And you wrote this great story about working on the set of the original. I have to tell you, I think I had more fun reading your story than watching the new Halloween, which I thought was okay. I'm, I'm not I got quite... a kick out of it. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything. Remember, we're talking about a movie that was the first movie back in in '78 was fantastic. I always loved it. I always yeah, I rewatched it. Mary, really, I rewatched it right before I saw the new one. Although it... It, I, when you saw it, you must have been aware that it had an influence on a lot of other movies that came after. It was innovative sure. at the time to do those kind of tracking shots through the house and be so manipulative about the unseen shadows and, and what's around the corner and that kind of steady cam thing was new at that time. Um, but uh, <laughs> the subsequent you know, sequels and things were so bad that we, we tend to think badly of it. In fact, um, uh, this movie's pretty good. I thought it was, I thought it was very uneven. My, my issue with it was that there was a lot of in-jokes and stuff like that leading up to the actual kind of, you know, Halloween centerpiece, which is Jason, or I'm sorry, Jason, I got my heart franchise confused. The shape. Uh, Michael Myers. Myers. Mike, the shape versus... Um, Jamie Lee Curtis as Lori Curtis, Stone. right? So she's great. Her persona, hard-drinking right. woman, tra still traumatized, all that stuff. Overly paranoid in the minds of all her family and stuff. Oh, they think I she's the, crazy. And yeah, she I thought that part of it worked. And and the final image of the movie, the final moments worked. It just it, had a lot of padding. To me. I know, I know. But the great set piece is when the three women finally, the mother, the grandmother, and the kid, are, are reunited and trained to fight the shape. And I loved that. I loved all this, the the twists and turns and David Gordon Green did it, did a good job. He, he was honoring the original without imitating it and keeping it in the same world. Um, and still it was frightening. And I just got off on the female empowerment. That's the way it is. Well, I guess that's the, the one thing the movie has to deliver all, above all else, given the kind of iconic nature of that character and the final girl trope. It's, it's interesting because it, it, it sort of coincided with this little blip in the media cycle when Jason Blum did an interview with, Polygon, where he was like, "Yeah, we, uh, it's not our fault. We're not hiring enough women directors, or something like that." And then everyone saying like, there oh, weren't enough. It was great on Twitter, especially on film Twitter, especially on female film Twitter, to see the barrage of recommendations from all over the world, and it's a sign of, of a how less than conscious people like Jason Blum are, you know, they think, they oh, yeah. are, but he's they're very not confident in ways that, that yeah. I think are actually kind of naive because yeah, he's around, but he's around when he has like a movie on the circuit or whatever. He's not going to a horror festival and, and watching all these movies, you know, but like somebody I immediately on his team, it should be. Somebody on, and somebody on his team probably is. It's just do. that they may they not do. be looking for women directors as hard as they're saying. I mean, there's and a the guy. The argument was that they were going to the A-list women that we all know who they are, who weren't interested in their bullshit B movies and <laughs> only want to do the best movies. I mean, I don't know, but I, I'm sure there's a lot to really there's a lot to untangle here. But basically, the, hopefully, the good that comes out of it is that it just you know allows people to hold his feet to the fire now because he's apologized and said that they haven't done a good enough job working with female directors, so maybe they'll be in next phase to all this 
the more people and the Marvel people out. are trying and they're yeah, they got Chloe Zhao. Yeah, I mean, right. that's awesome. She's awesome. So in any in any case, I think that it is a movie of people who want to go see a fun horror movie over the weekend can get something out of. But you know, don't forget to watch the original if you haven't yet, because that still reigns supreme. So next week, I guess we'll have a chance to um, take a look at how some certain certain things are doing at the box office. We've also got a couple more fall festival things right around the corner with AFI Fest, so we can look ahead to that. Until then, I hope you are staying sane as this award season cycle keeps. Moving along. Have a good weekend, Dan. You too, Eric. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.